Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... Odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hi everyone, welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. Here with me on this spooky episode of Oddcast. Is Hello, everyone. It is I, indeed, Dreadful Dandy. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, good. Um, this is your this is your favourite time of year, isn't it? Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. What's your favourite film to actually watch on Halloween? You know, you know what? And this is no joke of a lie. It is actually Santa Claus. The movie. You little tinker. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. The actual film uh, that I do love to watch um, on, on Halloween or around the Halloween time is in fact today's subject. Oh, how convenient. Which is John Carpenter's Halloween. Let's have a little listen of the trailer. The spooky trailer. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. (laughs) 
Michael? Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another... Yep, so that kind of gives you an indication. Um, I love that little... Um, I enjoyed the little Donald Pleasance uh, dialogue. Oh, that's great. This has to be the, uh, the the only Halloween film where he isn't absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Dan, before before we get into it, um, mm. yeah, give me, give me a little bit of a background on you and Michael Myers. I've only seen this film once before. Um, no way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I can't remember... I have seen other Halloween films, but it's been spotty and sporadic. Um, I can't even really remember which ones they were. Um, so, yeah, this is just the second time I've seen it. Um, it, was, it was enjoyable. Right, um, yeah, yeah. I think the first time I watched it, maybe I was a bit more maybe involved. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas this time I was a little bit more, just kind of like looking out, maybe because, you know, I knew we were going to be doing this show. I was kind of just like looking out for kind of more what's going on and what's the mechanics of this film being made. Um, I didn't maybe get as absorbed into it. And I was like, wow, it's actually really simple and straightforward and not really all that much happens. Um, so I was quite impressed, actually. I was like, this is all about, you know, good direction, good use of music. Mm-hmm. Um and really it's about just creating fear rather than telling a story as such. Cause the story is just like, yeah, super, super basic, isn't it? Yeah. Dan, I have to be honest, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. I would say you pretty much got it exactly right. Um, yeah. I mean, I always say, um, and I'll kind of come on to this a bit later about how, um, a lot of people, uh, so when we talked about black Christmas before 1974 film, previous yeah. episode, check it out. Um, uh, I might have mentioned it back then, but basically a lot of people said how Halloween um, was basically the Black Christmas sequel that never happened uh, because basically the director um, and John Carpenter were mates or whatever, and John Carpenter loved Black Christmas and was like, if you were going to do a sequel, what would you do? And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do a sequel. Like, I don't want to do horror again. And he was like, but, but well, you know, what would you do? And he was like, I would have someone like escape from a mental asylum and basically like hunt, um, hunt some teenagers down or something like that whatever um and then he's like i don't take credit for it or anything like it's it's his own it's his own film but i always think like when you compare it to black christmas and the reason why i'm talking about it is that i always think of black christmas as a really good film yeah. halloween is a really good experience like yeah. you are it's, a, it's still a good film but as in like you experience halloween you kind of watch black christmas another slasher horror movies or whatever um, yeah, that's what I like to think of it as. I think I, um, I agree with that. I think that sums it up nicely. I did think, yeah, I think Black Christmas maybe has a bit more um, rewatchability. I don't mm. think I could watch Halloween again now. Maybe um, it would definitely be diminishing returns at this point. Yeah, but I'm quite interested. I mean, in that's what some of the sequels now. Well, you'd be, so there's about another like 12 films or something, especially next that Halloween Kills just came out recently. Yeah, um, I haven't seen yet. Um, but uh, yeah, so when I ever, and whenever I go back to the original Halloween, and yeah, I usually do watch it kind of every Halloween, and it has next to no 
effect anymore, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I just quite like I just quite like watching it. It's more like a uh, nostalgic kind of warm hug yeah. rather than <laughs> now I'm watching it to get scared um, yeah. or anything like that. And there's certain like moments which I think I pumpkin enjoy. spice latte. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um, but Halloween two. Um, so I'm not going to go into all the Halloween sequels, but there's a lot. But Halloween two, which was 1981, I think it was released in the end. It's a direct sequel, like as in, yeah. like it, it picks up straight away um, from the ending of the first. Yeah, Halloween. I have seen that. I remember seeing it vaguely, and I think I saw it before Halloween. Right. Okay. So that's yeah, great, isn't it? It doesn't. Yes, yeah, not the best way to do it. <laughs> um, but it's weird. Like I watched Halloween two again recently, and um, I was like, okay, this is like a normal. It's not doing anything. Like this is your your bog standard kind of slasher um, film, and it's not directed by Carpenter. Though Carpenter and Deborah Hill um, did did write it apparently. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it made a bit of money off it. Um, but yeah, I was always, I loved the idea of um, Michael Myers and I always enjoyed like more so than Jason and all this. I always thought Michael Myers had a certain like quiet freakiness to him, which, you know, Jason and the chainsaw, um, you know, and all this. And he got like Freddy Krueger and whatever. Um, mm. You know, if you go down like the kind of monsters of horror. Mm. Um, but I always had like a respect for Michael Myers in the fact that he's just like silently getting on with it. There's no like, he's completely void of any character, which is part of the part of the thing, isn't it? Yeah, Um, absolutely. Well, he's just this unknown stalker, right? So, you know, Freddy Krueger increasingly becomes like a almost like a comedy character, firing off these one-liners as that series progresses. Um, Yeah, I think especially in this film. Just having this cold, unknown, faceless killer is is chilling, and that's kind of what contributes, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. Mainly to that 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 scare factor. Mm. But what um, um, do you think? And, and maybe you can answer this at the end, because mm-hmm. uh, this to me is the big question about this film. But what raises it above the level of your bog standard slasher? Um. Yes, it's a it's a good question. I think for me, kind of what you touched upon and what you know we were talking about. It's yeah, it's a it's an experience, which is one thing, but also just the simplicity um, of it. Um, I like, which I really like. I think as well um, that kind of first person perspective. Like we'd seen that in Black Christmas, for instance. Yeah, into Black Christmas. Yeah, it wasn't a completely unique thing, but it was, you know, at the time. And as well, don't forget, like, um, there wasn't really anything like this out there. Like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to keep banging on about Black Christmas just because I love that film. Um, you know, Halloween is Halloween. And then at Christmas time, I watch Black Christmas. That's pretty much that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my holiday story. Um, but I think as well, the way it's directed in a sense of um, the tone and also the pacing of it um, and mm. some of those shots, is just uh, it's just great, and it just really works on a very um, visceral level. Um, like the music, we'll go into that, but that's very minimal. Like everything is just very, you know, just stark. Uh, yeah. Like everything about it, and I think that that is chilling in itself. You know, like a yeah. lot of horror movies, they'll have um, 
you know, and also like the dialogue and all this stuff, like it's, there's not much in there. Um, and, you know, like yeah, the characters aren't 100% fleshed out. Doesn't really, doesn't really matter um, too much with something like this because as you said, there's no real story. Like the characters that they show you enough that it keeps your interest, but you're not there to, you're not there to watch that kind of thing. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, and I don't know if that kind of lifts it above. So that's why when people are like, I think it's shit. I'm like, okay, I can see that. Um, but I think, you know, I always think horror is one of like the purest forms of cinema. Um, and this kind of, you know, in its, as I said, in its minimalism um, as a horror film makes it kind of its own unique kind of beast. And I don't think they ever really were able to capture that mm. again. And a lot of films have tried, still try to do that mm. and they can't really do it. I mean, I always think of things like, um, this is a shit reference, but The Strangers, with that Liv Tyler randomly, that movie, and that freaked out a lot of people um, because like you would see them like just in the background or just standing around with like just a shit mask on. Um, and it freaked out a lot of people, but it's because, yeah, cause there's like nothing, it's like nothing's really happening. There's no like music to indicate something. I mean, you know, you do have a little bit of this for Halloween, but it's uh, I don't it know kind this of film. Strangers. I mean, it's a very like bog standard, um, but that, but it did kind of freak a lot of people out. And I remember watching it going like, it's not really doing anything new, but this is a kind of, it's kind of touching upon some of the um, tools that Halloween had um, mm. and used where there's like, there's no real motive. You don't really know what they're doing. It's, you know, people's houses. They're all just kind of silently doing things. Um, and yeah, and it's that thing. But also the thing with Halloween is that there's no real, there's no horror in it. There's not in it really any blood or anything. It's all just quite psychological, um, playing into like primal fears almost. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing that struck me was the, as you mentioned, the pacing. It's all um, quite, I think, meticulously done um, and with good restraints used by, well, in the script and in the direction. Because I suppose, well, without delving too deeply into the plot at this point, um, we get Mm. that first kind of kill, which is a kind of in the past sort of uh, flashback, I suppose. Um, Then the next kill we see happens off camera and we only become aware of it because a body is revealed in the, uh, Mm. in the in the long grass. Um, And then it isn't really until probably about almost 45, 50 minutes into the film that we get the first true kill that we, we see and experience. Yeah. So we've had, and it's only an hour and a half film. So we've had all that time building up the tension, anticipation, um, mm. anxiety. Um, and yeah, there's no real gore. It's just sort of chilling. Um, and then yeah. we get a couple more. Um, so yeah, those kills are deployed very artfully, I suppose. Yeah, it um, reminds me of like, um, like in comparison, like when we talked about the witch, the vavitch in uh, a previous episode as well. And when it does there, <clears throat> what Halloween's going to do is that um, it starts off with the horror. It starts off with the scariest bit. And then the rest of it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, you've got that in your head now. So the rest of it, you're kind of starting the film again, almost. 
Um, yeah. But now you have this in the back of your head and now it's going very slowly, but there's this element of dread and consequence almost that you know you know what um, the reality of what could happen is basically. And that's with you. Um, and yeah. that's something that Halloween uses and, and the Vich use. And not many films do that because essentially you're, you're starting on your crescendo. Yes, um, yes. And yeah, um, and you're just slowly building back up to it again. Um, but yeah, um, so shall I give a little bit more background info on this film, Dan? I think you'd be quite interested in sure, let's do it. the surroundings of it. So <clears throat> Halloween, 1978 uh, slasher film, one of the original slashers, if not the original slasher, depending on who you, who you ask. Um, John Carpenter directed, uh, directed it, wrote it. Um, alongside Deborah Hill. Um, and Deborah Hill is kind of like the unsung hero of um, a lot of John Carpenter stuff. So there were um, a couple at the time. And, uh, you know, she worked on this. She worked on um, Escape from New York, for instance. And a lot mm-hmm. of people say that, um, you know, uh, and I think John Carpenter himself said that basically her influence was, you know, immense, basically. Like she, it's even though it's a John Carpenter film and stuff, Deborah Hill is all over it. And, you know, it's that whole thing like when people say with George Lucas that like George Lucas wasn't really the um, the mastermind of Star Wars. It was actually his uh, his original uh, wife, the editor, um, yeah. who was able to kind of rein him in and, and change his ideas and make them better, basically. They say the um, same about um, Goblin 2 as well. Uh, Troll 2, sorry. Troll 2. Troll 2, Why? yeah. Which was originally called Goblin, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? What do they say about it? What the wife? <laughs> they say, yeah, the, the writer and director's wife was actually the main driver of the script. Oh, okay. She right. wanted to write a. Apparently, it was an environmental protest film. <laughs> oh, right. Well, you know, I've, nev- I've never seen Troll Two. Have you really never seen it? No, no. I know it's the. Uh, oh man, you know, they're, they're so bad. It's good kind oh, of man. royalty. There's a subject for a future episode. Jesus. Yeah, maybe let's, I don't know, do we need to start with Troll 1? No. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, so, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Um, so Deborah Hill, just saying she's, you know, she's an important part of it. Um, it's originally going to be called The Babysitter Murders. Um, hmm. And then uh, basically the company changed it to Halloween. Um, mm. it is, Good move. Uh, un- until Blair Witch Project, yeah. it was the most successful independent film of all time. Um, no, really? Yeah, yeah. It uh, it was made. The budget was three hundred thousand. Some people said it's um, three hundred to three hundred fifty thousand because I think they had to get more money and to pay Donald Pleasance or something. But let's say three hundred thousand, whatever dollars um, was the original budget at least. Mm. Um, and it grossed over seventy million dollars. <laughs> wow! With Carpenter himself taking, he got paid ten grand to to do it at the time. But he got ten percent of all the royalties, so he made a cool seven million dollars, right, right there off this film. Anyway, so it's a huge success. Um, I saw something uh, that suggested later on he felt that he hadn't been paid. Oh, it might have something to do with that. The ten percent, maybe he had a spat with uh, Dino De Laurentiis, right? Who I think maybe were the producers. Yeah, I don't know if Dino De Laurentiis. Would it, it was involved with this movie. Um, I'll, I'll kind of come to that anyway. Okay. I don't know who did it, but um, uh, it was filmed, even though it's kind of set in the Midwest, it's filmed in California um, and they had to throw in loads of like 
fake brown leaves and all this stuff. Um, and in some shots, you can actually see palm trees in the back of the, <laughs> in the back of the scene, which is quite funny. Pretty obvious as well once you know what you're looking for. Um, when it was released as well, it was absolutely panned. A lot of people didn't like it. They thought it was stupid and shit and slow and whatever. And you know the fact that there was no story, for instance, they were just like, "What is this?" Um, but there were a few people who um, stood up and, and uh, said they really liked it. The, the main one, really, being Roger Ebert, who uh, you know was kind of famous for hating on horror movies and mm. you know, slasher movies in the ilk. But he was basically like, "Yeah, this is this is good. It's a good film." Um, and then people started to go see it, and it just slowly—it's a bit of a slow burn—just slowly got more and more popular. Um, and it, it started basically, um, Carpenter made Assault on Precinct 13, which I think was made for like $100,000. So pretty cheap. Um, and basically, Erwin um, Yablans and Mustafa Akkad, um, who were two basically independent uh, film producers, um, financiers, um, got, got Carpenter and were like, yeah, we want to do a film about someone that goes around killing babysitters. Um, and it was, and basically, they wanted to do a horror film. They knew that, um, uh, you know, that it was a, an easy, easy thing to do. Could make lots of money. They'd seen The Exorcist. They wanted to do something like that. Um, so Carpenter was like, "Okay, cool. I'll do it, but I want full creative control." Um, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, fine." Um, but yeah, he he was going to write it, direct it, and obviously score it as well. Um, Deborah Hill and him sat down, um, started writing it, babysitting murders. Then Yablans was like, uh, "Let's do it, um, uh, Halloween." and we'll um, take place on Halloween night. Like, let's not call it the babysitter murders. So it's like, okay, whatever. Um, and Carpenter was like, I want to do like an old haunted house kind of film. So there's always kind of mesh of people and ideas and stuff kind of got put into like what, what this was. Um, I mean, he said since that the idea going forward after it kind of was a success um, and the reason why Halloween 3, for instance, has nothing to do with Michael Myers um, or Donald Pleasance or anything. It's his own like weird story. Is because he thought of it as a franchise where every movie would be something happening on Halloween night. So yeah. it wasn't going to be Michael Myers. It was going to be its own little like Twilight Zone thing almost. Um, did they, weird, did they decide that thing. when they came to make that third film, or was that the intention from the very beginning? Don't I don't know. Yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't, I mean, like, it wouldn't have been from the very, like, he would not have gone into Halloween thinking, I'm going to make more of these. Yeah. yeah. Um, this would, this would have been a one off once he started. Um, and then, yeah. So, yeah, we talk about it, like Bob Clark, as I said, uh, the director of Black Christmas. Um, I've got a little quote from him here, actually. I might as well just read it out. So he said, I did a film about three years later, started, I started a film with John Carpenter. It was his first film for Warner Brothers, which picked up Black Christmas. He asked me if I was ever going to do a sequel and I said, no, I was through with horror. horror. I didn't come into the business to do just horror. He said, well, what would you do if you do a sequel? I said, it would be the next year and the guy would have actually been caught, escape from a mental institution, go back to the house and they would start all over again. And I'd call it Halloween. The truth is John didn't copy Back Christmas. He wrote a script, directed the script, did the casting. Halloween is his movie. And besides, the script came to him already titled anyway. He likes Black Christmas and may have been influenced by it, but in no way did your Carpenter copy the idea. 15 other people at that time had thought to do a movie called Halloween, but the script came to John with that title on it. Um, so <laughs> there's, you know, there's some, it's obviously a few facts have got a little bit lost on the way there, but um, 
but yeah, it didn't come to him called Halloween. He was kind of told to do it. Anyway, so they wrote the script for Halloween in 10 days. Um, very, very short time. Um, Deborah Hill did most of the um, like dialogue between the babysitters and all this stuff. Carpenter kind of focused on more of the pleasant stuff and the uh, Michael Myers uh, bits and pieces. And they kind of, you know, um, did it like that. I think um, that dialogue originally, between the babysitters is really is really natural. Yeah. And that's one of the yeah. things that I think makes the film really work is that those characters are very relatable and believable. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Jamie Lee Curtis and, and her performance is really good. Yeah, well, it's been criticised since for being um, like an anti-feminist kind of movie because they're just talking about Basically, they all just want to get laid um, and like get drunk and whatever, and that's all they ever talk about. But then it's but then Carpenter since said she doesn't want to. Isn't that what teenagers always talk about? Yeah, I mean, she kind of obviously that's kind of part. She's more rounded as the kind of central character. Yeah, she's well. Yeah, she's kind of. um, But the argument is that she's more sexually frustrated and all this stuff. But we're we're kind of we're kind of we're coming to that. We're coming to that. so yeah, they originally wanted the film to be like a bit of, like a classic kind of like, you know, jump scare every few minutes or whatever. And they were like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, they were slightly inspired by the idea of um, this kind of uh, Celtic tradition of Samhain. Um, and basically the idea is that like Samhain is, is like a, is the boogeyman kind of thing. Um, like, what was it? Um Halloween was the night where all the souls are let out to wreak havoc on the living. And then there's a story about the most evil kid who ever lived. And when John came up with this t- fable of a town with the dark secret of someone who once lived there, and now that evil has come back, that's what made Halloween work. Um, and yeah, Sam Hain is apparently like this invincible kind of epitome of evil. Um, yeah, it's just quite interesting. A lot of the names and a lot of the streets and all this stuff are kind of harked back to Carpenter and um, Hill's childhood, um, for instance. Um, and yeah, the idea, it says here, the carpenter's inspiration for the evil um, that Michael embodied came from a visit he'd taken during a college, during college, to a psychiatric institution in Kentucky. Apparently, he visited a ward with the psychology classmates where the most serious mentally ill patients were, heard, uh, were held. That was kind of my reading. And among these patients was an adolescent boy who possessed a blank schizophrenic stare, and apparently it just stuck with him. And, that's, and that experience of it is, um, and his description thereof, is the way that Loomis, um, Donald Pleasance, describes Michael to Sheriff Brackett. Um, yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I thought all of this is a bit cheesy, though. I thought this is all like... Oh, I liked it. It's, it's John it's Carpenter, like he, though. This is a, yeah, it's, it's a bit schlocky, isn't it? It's like, he is pure evil. There's no redeeming humanity about him whatsoever. It's basically like he's yeah. the devil. Yeah, like, and they're like, you're his doctor. But as in, like, um, <laughs> he's like, like, you've seen him as, like, the authority and whatever. And, like, you know, you, normally you have, like, the doctor figure as, like, a bookish kind of, like, science. But he is, like, it's beyond that. He's, like, you know, the fact that he's turning around going, like, this thing isn't human. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I quite like that. Cause it's basically kind of making it, it's got the science guy kind of believing in, something supernatural like he's already been convinced because he's been years through it and yeah it's a bit schlocky but I, I quite enjoy that whole thing of like yeah like you know he's like the authority and even he's like thinking there's something 
else like going on here, which makes it's it like, like a kill it with intense. fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason why Jamie Lee Curtis is in it was basically because of her mother, Janet Lee. Um, and Carpenter thought it'd be cool to get like a daughter of a screen queen. Um, she was paid $8,000, I believe, to be in the film. Wow. Um, Donald Pleasance, um, he was the kind of star of it. Um, and I think he did like three days of shooting and he got paid like $20,000, something like that. Um, and originally, he's the, Peter. He's in the hack era of his career, isn't he? Yeah. He does a lot of these kind of films around this, this point. <laughs> Yeah, true. He's just getting getting the money. Um, originally, Peter Cushing was going to do it, but uh, the salary was was too low, which is kind of uh, which is kind of fair enough. Um, is this Michael Jamie Myers, Lee Curtis's first yeah, role, first feature. Yeah, has she done anything before this at all? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't know if she'd done anything at all. This is definitely her first feature, I believe, okay. um, and, and definitely a first starring role. Um, Michael Myers himself, well, in the script, he was just kind of called The Shape. Um, was mainly played by this guy called Nick Castle, who I kind of come on to a bit later. Um, and they both attended uh, U, um, USC, United, uh, University of uh, Southern California. Um, but yeah, Nick Castle, funny enough, went on to direct The Last Starfighter, if you remember that film. No. Um, Dennis the Menace, for instance. Um, Major yeah, Pains. Yeah, Major so did, pain. Um, that sounds terrible. Yeah, 1995. So he did. He did his own little bit. I mean, the last stuff is probably most famous of those, maybe. Um, and then, uh, yeah, a guy called Tony Moran um, plays the unmasked Michael um, at the end of the film. And uh, yeah, his his um, his sister Erin uh, Moran was Joni from Happy Days. And if you wow. actually look at their faces, you can kind of see a similarity as yeah. well. Um, but at the time he was um, dressed up uh, in Hollywood as Frankenstein you know like you get those people that you know stand um, to get photos taken with all the tourists or whatever yeah Um, uh, yeah it was quite funny so um, so what were you just standing around street corners waiting for people to come up and give them a dollar to take a photo with him that's what they do mate in LA have you seen it that's like Chinese theatre normally yeah Um, I mean it's been it's been going for decades Um, Jesus that's pathetic yeah, um, that's it. And then, and also the um, art director, um, I believe, is also uh, put on the costume every now and then. Um, <laughs> it was very low budget, as you said. Everything um, was bought cheap. A lot of people brought their own clothes. A lot of the cast were helping lug the equipment around and all this. Um, apparently, Jamie Lee Curtis and John Carpenter had um, thought up together a kind of fearometer, fear meter. Um, because it was all filmed out of sequence, just they get a sense of how scared, how scared should you be? Um, yeah. And all this, which I found quite funny. Um, Hans shittingly scared in this scene, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. You were 10 on this one. Um, and yeah, what I love as well is that when, um, uh, when Nick Castle was like, okay, so, you know, what do you want me to do um, for this bit? He was like, just walk over there. Just walk over there and stand there. You don't have to. I think he specifically said at one point, "You just have to not act." <laughs> so it's like, it's no. not a very demanding role, is it? No, not no, not really. Um, and yeah, Carpenter did the score himself. He did it in three days. Um, he yes. was inspired by Suspiria and Exorcist, as you could probably, yeah, you could probably hear. And um, there is an actual other there are other songs in the film. One of them is actually performed by <laughs> a band called the Coupe de Villes. 
Um, okay. And that is, and that was a band that John Carpenter, the production designer, Tommy Lee Wallace and Nick Castle um, <laughs> were in. It was a band they were in, uh, which is oh, quite that's funny. Cool. Yeah, it's weird. What's um, that song? I, ca- I can't remember it. I don't know. I don't think it has a name. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, you're, it's when one of them gets in the car or whatever. It's kind of on the radio in the background. Okay. Um, unbelievably, it was shot in May and released in October, which to wow. me is insane. Absolutely insane. Because obviously it has to be out for Halloween. Um, and it's released October the 25th, I think. Um, and then what I also love as well is in, in 1980, uh, and this is quite important actually, in 1980, the um, television rights got sold for, it's like $3 million or something like that. Um, but they had to cut out a whole bunch of scenes so that it could get through. Um, so then they were left with the problem. It's like, well, we need to fill that two hour time slot, but you've like cut out like 12 minutes or something like that mm. of the movie. So as they were shooting Halloween 2, Carpenter um, went out and using all the sets and stuff, filmed more material right. um, to fit into the TV thing. So there's actually additional scenes out there that are in the TV version. Um, there's some scenes, it's mainly around Dr. Loomis in the hospital, obviously, because Halloween was well, not obvious, but Halloween 2 is set mostly in a hospital, in the hospital that um, uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis gets sent to after the, her ordeal. Um, and yeah, there's like a bit where there's a Dr. Loomis is at like a hospital board review and he's like, you know, oh, you know, you can't do this or whatever. He's insane. He's evil or whatever. Um, another one where he's at, um, he looks at the cell that's been abandoned because, um, you know, where um, Michael Myers has left and there's like the word sister scratched into the door um, and then just other other little bits to do with some of the babysitters and whatever. Um, so, yeah, so there's actually like a version of the film out there. That's cool. Completely, um, you know, scenes that are redone specifically for the TV version, which I thought was quite strange. Yeah. Um, you'll notice as well, they're watching a uh, thing from another world, which, which, uh, is interesting. We've covered it ourselves on the podcast, yeah. but also obviously like went it. on. Um, I don't think it was that great, but obviously Carpenter was a big fan and went on to film the thing a few years after. They didn't like um, it either. They kept they kept like it's like watch the film or don't. They watched yeah, the intro. True. Then he's like, "Can we make the make the Jack O' Lantern?" Yeah, and then later on, they're like, "Oh, we'll watch a bit more of the film." Yeah, I was thinking, sure, it's finished by just, now. Just sit down, shut up, and watch the effing film. It's a bloody masterpiece, classic of sci-fi. Masterpiece, yeah. Um, you might notice uh, someone called PJ Souls, uh, the blonde girl in it. She was in, uh, she was in um, Carrie, but also I always remember as uh, Rock in Rock and Roll High School, the Ramones movie. She's basically the main girl in that. Um, a lot of the shots oh. that were done were basically a cheap version of a steady cam, which is called, I think it's called a pan glide, um, which is quite cool. Uh, and yeah, the mask itself, as people may know, it's a William Shatner mask that was bought for, I think, a dollar or something. Yeah. And they cut the eyes out and painted it white um, just because they wanted it to be completely void of any kind of emotion. That's quite cool. Um, and apparently that kind of came from um, the mask itself. It was from that uh, classic film, Eyes Without a Face. I don't know if you've seen that. You've probably seen photos from it, at least if you haven't seen the film itself. It's a great film. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um and yeah, what I also enjoyed is um, uh, when you've got the that those final few scenes. That, well, I'll tell you what, we'll kind of come on to that when we go through it. Um, but that's kind of it. That's kind of all the facts and little tidbits of information um, I've got with it, I think. There are some other bits as well, but I don't think they're particularly 
um, interesting. But um, yeah, I think it's crazy how, uh, you know, he made it on a very, very, you know, short, crazy short time frame. Um, you know, I can't think of many directors that would agree to something like that um, on a low budget and was able to make something that was, you know, stuck in people's heads for um, so long and became like a horror masterpiece. That's the, that's the magic and beauty of, of John Carpenter, I think, right there. Just gave the people what they wanted. Mm, it really, really did. Really, really did. Um, so, Dan, uh, should we go into a little bit about the the plot? I guess. Uh, why, yeah, why don't you take Why don't you take us through the plot, and then um, yeah, because I feel like I've talked a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Fun. Let's go roughly through the film. Um, yeah. Because actually, the first thing we get is that fantastic opening um, kind of—I don't know what you call it—like mm. sequence with the pumpkin, um, mm. which I just really liked. Just really got me in the mood. You know, you've got the fantastic carpenter music, yeah, um, and yeah, it's just like black with a pumpkin, and these brilliant what have become iconic um, kind of uh, font, I suppose. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. Did that exist before this film? Did they just take something off off the shelf, so to speak, or did the, someone make that for Halloween? Because it's fantastic. It just screams seventies horror now, doesn't it? It's become yeah. synonymous that typography with this era mm. of horror film. Yeah, but all of that looks really cool. Yeah. yeah, it does look cool. Yeah, and then it's like shot a shot through the through the eye of the uh, car through the pumpkin. eye. <clears throat> yeah, and it all, which also is, um, you know, which kind of when you go through um, into the next bit, right, and then and everything's kind of like a POV. So you're kind of going into the into the darkness, into the point of view, into the mind of the pumpkin, the Halloween, the yeah. scariness. <laughs> it's like a nice little framing thing of almost like I invite you in for a tale of horror this Halloween Eve, and yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, so then, yeah, we got the proper kind of like opening sequence, which is like a happened in the past. Um, this felt very Black Christmas, yeah. Um, specifically, um, we're following. We we are the eyes of an unknown. Well, what becomes an assailant? Mm. Peeping a peeping Tom as well. It's quite uh, <laughs> at this point. It's actually a little bit sexually charged yeah um and you just see this scene in the uh, living room on the sofa playing out a little bit of hanky panky going on um and this person enters the side of the house goes into the kitchen you see like a kind of like green satin arm going for a knife um mm. You see this guy leave the house. Then uh, basically you go up the stairs. It's all point of view. You go in, you see a, a pretty nubile young lady mm-hmm. stripped to the waist. Mm-hmm. And then um, stab, stab, stab. Stabity, stabity. Blood and yeah. death. And then he... Well, what's great about the stabbing as well the stairs. That, um, is that he's yeah. looking at the... He's looking at his hand. <laughs> Imagine if you're like killing someone. You're like, what am I doing? You're not looking at them. You're just looking I'm at doing your hand. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> Look at this. 
but yeah, the kind of important thing as well, and one of the things that I always forget, um, because obviously once you've seen it, you know what's going on, is that you're presuming this is like a a man or whatever, like a killer, serial killing man or something like that. Yeah, which makes this um, uh, yeah, which makes the next bit a bit more powerful, impactful. Exactly. So yeah, out the house, and as you're leaving the house via the front door, there's a car pulling up. And this just happens in a split second, but I was kind of like, oh, that's quite exciting. What's going to happen? It could be the police or is it an accomplice and he's going to jump in the car? But no, it's just a a couple and you realise, okay, the parents of this girl that's been murdered. Um, But they just look curious. So you're like, okay, they must know this person. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, you get that shot where it pulls back and there's just a boy dressed as a harlequin or a clown standing on the lawn with the bloody kitchen knife Mm. and either parent each parent either side of him just kind of looking what's happening michael Mm. they're not even horrified they're just like confused yeah what is this it's nice so yeah that's the big reveal that was actually you know it's this little boy um, and he was wearing a mask as well, which obviously plays into later because that was like that's his like costume as such. And he tries yeah. to he tries to do something similar, um, you know. Afterwards, um, in the rest of the film, um, you know, he's got that blank expression. But it is like a it's a classic kind of thing about as you said, it's like sexually charged. Basically, he's like you know, sisters like topless or whatever. He's seen her with whatever. There's a you know, and there's some kind of like perverse kind of. Um, idea of like you know incestuous fantasy or something kind of probably going on there even even at that yeah like, is it jealousy know. or is it yeah like he's he's punishing her for her sexuality and his is exactly. repressed yeah. or hasn't even developed yet or yeah yeah and it might I be that it's like no one's looking after him but she's yeah. you know um, but she's off gallivanting and having sex yeah. or whatever and then he's a, he's appropriating that kind of I don't know maybe it's like a hatred for, of women or something that's suddenly grown out of this because he just sees them as these like you know sexually charged like you know irresponsible um, objects um, which is exactly like and this is what I was talking about earlier like the babysitters talking about sex they're all like we're gonna go get laid we're gonna like you know have you spoken to Bobby or whatever blah 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 and all this, um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, this sets the groundwork, right, for that cliche. Then, for every slasher of like the yeah. the ones that have sex get killed first, right? Yes, exactly. But, Keeps um, that tradition going. It's hard to know what the intention is here, but I suppose it just does enough that you can read all of these different things into it. Um, mm. in regard, it's just creepy. It's a creepy kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> creepy kid killed his sister. You didn't expect it to be a kid. And now we cut to however many years it is in the future, like 10 years or something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> I, can't, I thought about this because later Donald Pleasant's right. He's like, the boy was six and I worked with him 15 years ago. So I'm like, okay, he's 21. But when the credits roll, it says Michael, age 23, played okay. by so-and-so. So, well, who knows? Anyway, yeah. Um, I can't quite remember what the first scene is. Is it with Jamie Lee Curtis or is it with uh, Donald and his aide? 
Um, it's with, <laughs> are you trying to say you're not prepared for this? Um, <laughs> it's with uh, Donald Pleasance um, and he's okay. with the nurse in the car. And yeah. she's like, like, oh, we got to move the, we got to move him or something. And he's just like warning her, like, you know, he's not like a normal patient. And, and she's like, yeah. all right, chill out, like whatever. It's just already, um, yeah, overegging it a bit, I think. I he's, he's not a man. She says, uh, do you have to call him it? And he's like, yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. It's not a man. I don't know. Yeah. This is, a, this is all a bit silly. I thought everything about Donald Pleasance's character is a bit silly and a bit overblown, but yeah, I suppose yeah. that's part of the appeal. Um, what yeah, actually, absolutely. what happens here, right? Cause you've got all this, Oh, and he should never get out. And and she's like, well, why are you moving him then? It's like, Oh, it's the law. Um, and then of course, you know, two minutes later, like they've had to stop to open a gate or something. And he just manages to get out of the car and he's on the roof. Yeah, well, about it's, um, like a busy monkey. Yeah, and just well, something's hope. happened. Something's happened, but it's not like, it's never said like whether it's a case of like Michael did it or whether it's just something happened, but basically all the um, all the mentalists are <laughs> let loose um, for some reason, which we never really gather why. Um, and yeah, I think the reason why they're moving him, he kind of talks about it at some point. I don't know if it's in Halloween 2 or not, but um, a bit later on where it's like, he was he's the perfect kind of, um, he's the perfect uh, patient because he doesn't do anything. He just sits there, takes his meds or whatever, like he's very, very quiet, imagine quite timid or whatever, um, and just kind of gets on with it. So I think the idea is that he's being moved um, and like he's against it because he's like, no, you don't understand this guy's insane and killer or whatever but in theory he's been like a good yeah prisoner. well he alludes um, to the fact that he thinks he's biding his time yes yes so it's exactly. kind of like he sits there does nothing stares beyond the wall doesn't even seem to see it but mm. he's waiting for his opportunity yeah and his um, opportunity has i mean it'd be coincidental if he didn't have anything to do with it because the whole point is that it's like his sister, um, he killed his sister on Halloween night and he was in, you know, so it'd be much a coincidence if it's like he had nothing to do with it. But just because of the way he moves through the rest of the film, you'd like to think that he's got something, he's managed to somehow make something happen for him he's, to be able to escape. Yeah, he's got, he's got a plan. He's this. It's, not, it's not opportunistic. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's how does he get out of this car? Because you see the car, the boot isn't open or anything. Are you suggesting that there's some kind of supernatural manipulation occurring here? Well, in the car, he just jumps on top of the car, smashes the window, and she gets out, and he just gets in. Yeah, but how did he... Where, where was he? Presumably he was know. locked in the back of the car. No, 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 he wasn't. No, they, they're going to pick him up. He's not in the car at this point. Oh, I thought he was in the car. No, no, no. So what, he's, oh, so he's just, he's just roaming around and he manages to intercept their car. Yeah, but that's the thing, is that you think he's like planned for it, so he's trying to get hold of a car. I mean, I've right, always thought of it right. as he's not, he's not in the car. Like, he's not just sitting in the back there. They're like, okay, we've got to go pick him up and take him to another hospital. I thought he was in the car. that's why they turn... No, no. Like, otherwise, they'd be, like a gag yeah, otherwise it'd be a bit weird. They're turning up to the hospital that they're taking him to and everyone's been released. 
No, he's not. They're going to the hospital where he is being kept to pick him up. That explains and he a lot. Into the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just sitting there whilst they're talking about him. Um, yeah. In the boot. <laughs> uh, well, Donald Pleasant's some like nasty about him. I thought uh, maybe they just like bound him it's up and chucked law. him in the boot. Is it the law to keep him in the boot? That animal. No, but we're not. We're not listening to it now. We're not listening to the law. This bit. Um, At this yeah, point, then I did think his arm looked a bit weedy. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. I mean, yes. <laughs> it seems like an inconsequential thing, but later in the film, he does exhibit some incredible strength. He's yeah, not well, I mean, a but massive that's bloke, thing. is he? He's not like no, that's sort of thing. He's, um, no, he's supposed to be like in inhuman. He's a supernatural, strange being um, who's incapable of dying by the looks of it as we kind of get into it. Um, yeah. Yes. Anyway, let's, uh, let's crack on through the, through the rest of the movie. What, what happens next? Well, I think we introduce then Jamie Lee Curtis's character and the little boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is all a bit of a, a blur for me, but basically it's just setting up. We have some stock nice characters, nice teenagers. Yeah, nice little town. boy who's a little bit a little bit afraid, a little bit picked on and bullied. Um, Michael Myers is kind of hanging around in this town. Yeah. And sort of seems to form a bit of a connection with these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's not clear if like he's targeting them or if he's just like, if it is opportunistic. 
but like he turns yeah, up I with mean, a little boy's school and he's just kind of like watching him and yeah he's just he's kind of like yeah he's kind of creeping about um i think what instigates it a little bit is um i believe like the first thing that um she does uh what's her name, Laurie, is um, she has a, a dad's like an estate agent or whatever and she has a key um, and she drops it off at the Myers house or something and they talk about, oh, you know, someone's going to go see the house or whatever. And they have a little chat about it and obviously that's the Myers house where he, he killed everyone. Um, and I think that's the first time that Michael notices her and he seems to, and I think the fact that he's seen Laurie at the place where he killed his sister and it's probably the same age as his sister was back then Mm. he's I mean I think and I'm kind of reading into this that he's made like some he's made a connection basically yeah like yeah, yeah. young female at the place where he killed his sister yeah she is now the replacement thereof and so he kind of starts like mentally stalking her yeah exactly yeah. like she's just now the um the main focus of his attention uh, a little bit yeah. and then her mate around this time was banging on about some amazing party that's going to happen Blah blah That's blah. Right, yeah. It's yeah. Halloween. Spooky stuff's going on. People are getting ready, pumped up. Um, and then little things are happening that are obviously we're aware it's Michael, but the townsfolk are just blaming it on the kids. Like, yeah, like a hardware store or something getting broken into. Isn't yeah, it? A hardware store's broken into, and they're like, <laughs> the policeman's like, "Well, who else would do it? A couple of knives, uh, a rubber mask." And some rope yeah. or something. It's obviously kids getting yeah. ready for Halloween. Um, yeah. And a grave is dug up. And they even blame that on teenagers. These pesky teenagers. Yeah. They love this spooky shit at Halloween. Can't they have any respect? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's like, cause, uh, yeah, the reason why is because Loomis, Donald Pleasance, is like, he's, he basically he spends most of the film like staking out the Myers place. But he's just trying to like, he's trying to find Michael and he thinks that, you know, he's, he would have come back to this town. And then he's like, oh, maybe he'll vi- visit the grave of his sister. So that's when you find out they go. And it's like, whose grave was this? And it's like, oh, it was Judith Myers or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, oh, Michael's here, whatever. Like he's taken the gravestone. Um, uh, yeah, so that's there's a, a reason. He takes the gravestone, like, man. I mean, that's, that's a quite heavy, heavy thing. Yeah. No, no one, one saw one that. <laughs> Yeah, no one notices this. Wandering down the street with a big gravestone. Yeah, exactly. And possibly with a uh, Captain Kirk mask on. Um, yeah. There's a little yeah. bit as well where, um, there's a bit where like Annie is uh, talking, like, you know the bit where he's behind the bush and he just kind of disappears. She's like, there's no one there. Then you see like some smoke go across the front of the camera and that's John Carpenter. <laughs> And that's because Joe Carpenter's a heavy smoker and he was just standing too near the um, <laughs> too near the camera. There's just this like wisp of smoke that just travels across the frame. <laughs> it's just pretty obvious as well. Oh man, I didn't see that. I have to go yeah, back and watch that. In. Yeah, it's quite funny. Because um, this is all... <laughs> this is when it's starting... I think it's, the film's starting to work. It is starting to heighten a bit of tension now. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, he's he is kind of like... Creeping around. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, he's like, he appears, he disappears, you know, he's gone in one shot, he's there in another, um, and it's all like a little bit like magic or something. 
So again, it's adding to this like supernatural kind of evil yeah. feel. And the thing that makes it work, this, because this could all be quite silly and campy, but it's that music. Like that is really anxiety inducing. Yeah. Yeah, you've got that. We heard it earlier um, where it's like, oh, a mystery. <laughs> oh, something, something mysterious has happened. Um, but yeah, these are tiny, it's like three musical cues basically throughout the whole thing. It feels like so scarce. Um, but yeah, it, it works quite nicely. Um, what's the next major event that occurs? Basically, well, I guess that then. Yeah, people start dying at this point. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're into Halloween just, night now, aren't we? Kind of. Yeah, we're starting to get there, um, and yeah, kids are starting to die. I think um, is it uh, is it Annie um, who gets uh, one of the first ones to get killed? She's in the car, and yeah, she's like, eh? "What's all this like condensation on the inside of the car?" Which I thought was quite cool. And then Michael yeah. appears, basically strangles her. Um, and then slits her throat. Uh, strangles her? Slits her throat, okay. He strangles her for um, quite a long time, and which is quite cool, because you're like, oh, she's going to... It's taking a long time. She's probably going to get away. She's going to whack him or something. Yeah. She's kicking the um, the horn on the car, and you're like, oh, maybe someone will come. So actually, it takes yeah. a long time, and then in the end, he, gets, he has enough of that, and he just slits her throat. Yeah, I had enough of that. Yeah. Done. Um, um, but yeah. before that, she's kind of like, like you say, she's kind of set up to be the more, uh, the, the, the raunchier girl. Yeah, the raunchier she, one. she's yeah. basically, she's getting in the car cause she's off to pick up her bow. Um, and she's already, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, neglected her babysitting duties by taking the, I presume it's her, her younger sister over to, uh, that's right. To sit with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Laurie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's all quite important. Again, neglecting, as you said, her duty, similar to what Michael went through at the beginning of the film. So yeah. then, like the little boy as well, he keeps going on about the boogeyman because this is one of the things that the uh, children at school have been like, the boogeyman's going to get you tonight. He's it's like, what's the boogeyman? Um, yeah. And then poor kid, he keeps looking out the window and seeing Michael Myers hanging around. He's <laughs> like, the boogeyman's here. She's like, there's That's no right. boogeyman. Stop being ridiculous or you'll be sent to bed. <laughs> yeah. Idiot. Yeah. But this is horrible because he looks out the window. Um, and so, of course, the house is across the street. Mm. And he actually sees Michael Myers at this point walk around the house carrying that dead body in his arms. Yeah. And just like Horrible. slowly and methodically just like go through the front door. Yeah. I love that. I love everything to do, that's what's funny is that people think of Laurie's house or whatever, well it's not actually Laurie's house, whatever the house that she's in. Um, uh, whatever. But and then you've got Michael Myers' house which doesn't really see any action. And there's one bit where they go in and they find, I don't know if it's happened yet, they find a dog and they're like, oh, the dog's dead. Oh, yeah. like, it looks like someone's been eating it. And he's like, he must have been hungry. And I was like, they've made it. It's just, I don't know, that, that bit always stuck with me because I was like, it's just weird that they that he's like, they've made it that he's what, he's got hungry and eaten a dog. Like, <laughs> he's so like animalistic. You know what I mean? Like, as in, he would just eat a raw dog. Um, it's like, I didn't, I didn't really need that bit, but you know, yeah. fine. Um, but it's actually the Wallace house 
yeah, exactly. But it's actually that house. I think I think it's the Wallace house because um, yeah, I'm, I'm reading it here. I'm pretty sure it's the Wallace house where most of this bad stuff happens, and it's the, actually the creepiest house of the lot. Um, yeah, in my opinion, because uh, yeah, that's where basically everyone dies. So yeah, you've got um, yeah, he's carrying her into inside that house. Um, yeah, and he sees he sees that, and so that's that's hard. And he, it's one of those things where you're like most kind of, I suppose, horror films or, or any film with like killing or killers, usually that goes unnoticed. Yeah. And you've kind of got a sense that, oh, if people saw or knew, um, then it would all be resolved happily. So there's something, I don't know, there's something chilling about him just like absolutely brazenly oh. walking around yeah. the house in clear view of anyone who cares to notice carrying that dead body. Yeah. And you're no like, still... Beauty, it's Halloween, he's allowed to wear a mask. Yeah. Like, it's kind of undercover almost, and whether that's on purpose because he's super smart or not or whatever, you don't know. Um, but yeah, that brazenness, like, you're right, is um, scary in itself. Just doesn't give a shit. So then the next big thing is probably two of her friends turn up. Yeah, one of my favourite bits. Which is weird, right? I didn't, I didn't quite get, understand what's going on here. Was she meant to be having a yeah. party? Why Why had she invited her like friends around? Some kind of, I don't know. I, this is where it all gets a little bit loose for me. I don't really... I, I, I stopped paying attention to the story by this point, but I think they come around and they're like, you know, oh, they're going to have like a little gathering, basically. And then yeah. it's like, oh, we're here. I think she calls... Um, Jamie Lee Curtis and he's like, oh, where's uh, Annie or whatever? No, I don't know. I thought she was there. Oh, maybe they've all gone out. She was going to go pick up Paul or something. It's like, ah, yeah. cool. We've got the house to ourselves. <laughs> and so they go up there to basically like have sex. And then, yeah, this is when Bob, poor old Bob, goes downstairs to get beer and basically gets um, gets killed. Yeah. And then there's this, um, there's this brilliant bit where, <laughs> just love, I love this bit so much. Where um, the door open, like uh, the girl is um, laying there in bed smoking a cigarette or whatever, and then the door just slowly opens and it's um, like a ghost sheet with some uh, like glasses, sunglasses. Over the top. I know they're, oh, I think they're his spectacles, aren't they? Yeah, they're his glasses. Oh man! And she's like, "Oh, stop being a fool, whatever." But she's like getting creeped out because he's just kind of sitting there, standing there, not saying anything. And I remember, I remember the first time I ever watched it, I remember thinking it's his corpse, like, as in, like, somehow he's just, like, stood his corpse up. Do you know what I mean? Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then when it started moving, I was like, um, oh, so it's him, right? Like, it's got to be him. And I remember it never really sat right with me, the idea that he's decided to, like, put a sheet over his head, yeah, put the glasses on over the sheet, which is also over his mask, and then <laughs> play this prank. I mean, yeah. I know, like, in, in theory, it's like, oh, I'm going to do it so I can get close to her and also probably, you know, have some f- fun with it or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah it, this bit was always very strange. It's just slightly comical, isn't it? It's a little too comical. Yeah. Um, but a memorable scene. And yeah. what's scary about it, though, is, like, she feels, like, just so vulnerable because she's basically, like, naked in bed, right? Yeah. So that's quite scary. Um, yeah. When well, then also like, cause she calls, she calls Jamie Lee Curtis 
um, and she's getting strangled at the same time. But she thinks she thinks her friend has called her just to like make her listen to her have sex. Yeah, because she's basically whatever. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Jamie goes like, oh, "God, like, what's wrong with these people?" Kind of thing, um, which I thought was, was quite funny. And I think that's supposed to there's supposed to be that kind of weird comic edge. Um, comic edge to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this is when she realises what's going on, right? Because then she's like, something's not right. She looks over there and like the lights go on and then go off again and she tries to call back and there's no answer. Yeah. So her suspicions are aroused and you're like, maybe ring the police or something. But she doesn't. She goes over to the house and you're like, no, don't do that. But this is great. This is a perfect bit of um, directing in my eyes because it's like very slow, very slow walk. And you've got this very powerful shot, like looking up at the house as she's getting closer to it. It's completely dark and blacked out. And it's that kind of feeling that you get when you're walking around at night and you're looking at like a dark, empty house that's maybe like a little bit creepy. Yeah. And as you're looking at it, like as the audience, you are going through what has just happened there inside. You're thinking what's maybe happened to the bodies, where might Michael be, and all the kind of disgusting, horrible stuff that's already just happened in there. And you're getting closer and closer to it, and you're watching her, and they really like play up that that tension. But they're also just like, it's like always, I don't know, like when I think of, um, you know, uh, who's that famous artist who did um, Night, uh, night birds, whatever it's called, the night birds. Yeah, it's the um, cafe in the corner. And there's like three people. Oh, I do know what you mean, but I don't know who did it. Oh God, what's his name? He's like my favourite artist. And I can't remember his name. <laughs> it's awful. Um, no, people could be shouting it. Ralph anyway, Harris, but, um, your, fa- your favourite artist? No, he is definitely unfortunate. You've got loads of uh, Rolf originals hanging in your uh, uh, no. in your house. No, no, no. Everybody say no. No way. Um, I've seen you. You sit on your sofa with your stylophone. I, stylophone. Playing a little play, Rolf Harris stylophone playing Time of Kangaroo Downsport and just looking no. at your beautiful Rolf Harris paintings. No, it's not happening. Um, anyway, his whole thing... Um, yeah, Nighthawks, Edward Hopper, thank you. His whole thing was like, you know, painting like empty windows, empty buildings and things like that, whatever. Um, and that's why I always liked about it because it's always like making you use your imagination for what's kind of going on behind there. And so it reminds me of that. It's basically where I'm going to. It's the idea, you've got these windows, you kind of know what's happening behind them. It's pretty cool. It's a good shot. But yeah, she goes over. It's a very long-winded way to say that I enjoyed that moment. <laughs> Yeah. And this is almost exactly what you said when we spoke about Black Christmas. Yes. These long exactly. lingering shots of just hallways and stairs, all empty void spaces. It's perfect. I love it. I love it so much. Um, um, yeah. So she goes She goes in. Sorry. For, well, this is the big reveal. This is one of the biggest scare shock moments of the film, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, nice kind of sick tableau. <laughs> Her friend laid out dead on the bed with that headstone of his murdered sister sitting above her. Mm. 
And we just yeah. stay with that shot for a little while and let it sink in, which is nice. Mm. Yeah, well, you wonder like what it means. It feels like it's gone from like he's just killing people to like, oh, there's something more disturbing. <laughs> he's recreating, you know, the event, yeah. basically. Um, and yeah, it makes it a little bit more, um, it, it gives it that, almost reminds you of that personal touch that it's, there's almost a method to the madness, which makes it a little bit scarier in a way. Yeah. Uh, then things go a little bit Scooby-Doo because she goes, <laughs> ah, yeah. takes a step backward and <laughs> that bloke's like dead body kind of like falls down, hanging upside down. And then she's yeah, like, I was- <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like fall back and like a door opens and the uh, the other girl the blonde girl is like dead in there what? yeah cross eyes yeah I never enjoyed that bit I was always like I, I mean I kind of know why they did it but um, I was always like yeah it's like a it's like a haunted house it's like going on a ride yeah. something like that these things just falling out at you but yeah and then Myers turns up and then for someone who's like a killer He's right in front of her and somehow misses and slashes her arm. Yeah. And I always remember I, thinking, oh, that's really annoying. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah. It made my eyes uh, roll a bit. But I did like how they revealed him. It was quite subtle. I really didn't notice for the first, like, second of that shot. He's just there mm. in the darkness behind her. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Nice. And, yeah. And then, it's yeah, like I say, he bungles it. Yeah, maybe on purpose, who knows? Oh, <laughs> oh really? Um, well, maybe. But then, Cat's yeah, this playing is with a mouse. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, um, or maybe he doesn't want to kill her. Really, um, he enjoys the uh, the pursuit, um, or maybe yeah, whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, and this bit's cool because now you, you're into like you're into the horror territory, the classic slasher. Yeah, you're just trying to you're just trying to get away, um, and it's again this cool bit where she's like goes back to the house that she was just in oh. and you're seeing Michael get closer and close, just casually walking, getting really fucking close. And you're waiting for this kid to like open the door and he's like yawning and rubbing his eyes. You're like, hurry up. <laughs> well, before that, <laughs> what's really horrible is you're like, and, and this made me think of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre a bit. Cause it's like the immediate fear is she's in the house with the killer, but, but she gets out of the house and you're like, Oh my God, thank God she's safe. But then it's like that thing, oh my God, she's not safe just because she's got out of the house. Yeah. And she's screaming and no one's coming to help her. And she yeah. runs to the house next door and she's like, help me. And they mm. literally close the blinds and turn the light off. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. And that is, that like my heart sank, you know, because that's just like all hope being drained out of the audience. It's yeah. a really, I thought that was really nice and it, that it was quite sickening actually. Yeah, it's good. That yeah, moment where you're like, there's no help for her here. Even though she's mm. escaped from the house from the killer, actually, that's the moment you realise basically his realm is actually, it extends beyond that house. He can get her. And yeah. and then you're like, yeah, you're like, but if she gets to her house, she'll be safe. And like you say, then it's like, I can't get the key in the door. Um, and she's yeah. shouting at the little boy, come down. Yeah. And he's like, I'm sleepy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Best. Um, but eventually, yeah, he opens the door just in the nick of time. And Michael's just slowly progressing. And then this is, <laughs> she gets in and like locks the door. 
and then she looks over and the like the windows open. Hmm. Uh, what was the bloody window doing open? Hmm. I mean, really, what was it doing? You know, it's the thirty first of October. You shouldn't need your sash windows open. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be freezing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I quite like this bit where it's like, okay, you know, shut out, and they're like sitting there, like being like, okay, cool. You know, we're going to be safe. And then he's just like, he like poke his head up or something like that. It's like, Ooh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then he becomes, uh, they run upstairs, don't they? And then she's like, oh, just stay in here and shut yeah. the door. And she pretends like she opens up the window so it looks as if she's climbed outside and then she's hiding in the cupboard. And there's that famous shot where he's like poking his head in and then she stabs him. Um, with, with a coat, coat hanger, um, which is which good. Which was impressive. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Down, downstairs, doesn't she stab him downstairs? I can't remember. Down, what, in the in the ghoulies? Before she, no, but, no sorry, it's in before she runs upstairs. Doesn't she stab him? Oh, I see. Um, I can't remember. Not, not stab him downstairs, but stab no, him downstairs. Yeah, literally. Oh, down I can't the remember. Stairs. Um, There's just a lot of rushing around at this point and protect the kids. Obviously, that becomes a thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we won't get into too deep into it. But yeah, then uh, my concerns became again. It's like you're worried about her now. Suddenly, it's like oh, I'm worried about these two kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, Um, But yeah, so she um, she's she manages basically when she stabs him in the eye, and he's like, I love those like noises he has. She's just always like. <laughs> like totally, like not. You know, it doesn't feel like it's him making that noise. It's weird, and I know they've done that on purpose. But um, yeah, it, it makes it even just, like slightly creepy, like he's slightly retarded yeah. or something like that. He's just mildly um, perturbed by it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, isn't it like then? Um, well, he drops his knife. Yeah. That's right. And then he's, she's he's poking her. around in the cupboard trying to get her. Yeah. And, she, and he drops, he fumbles it, drops the knife. And this is great. She grabs it and she's just like, whack. Doesn't hesitate. Because mm. I was thinking, it's that thing we're like, just do it, just do it. And, and then in a lot of films, they like, they're too scared. And, you know, she's just like, wham, have a bit of that up here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and he looks to be dead. Conked out flat on his back. And she's like, kids, get out of the house, get down the road and tell Ma Dooley to ring the police. Yeah. Um, and it's like, what? You go as well, love. Don't just sit there panting. Yeah, and- she, she's, yeah she's making sure she's keeping an eye on him. Um, yeah, I well, imagine she's not, 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 not keeping not a close enough eye on him, him at all. Yeah, so she neglects to keep an eye on him because then you see the classic kind of like sit up behind her. That's great. Completely silent. (laughs) Um, Donald Pleasance, meanwhile, we haven't really talked about Donald Pleasance, what he's been up to, but he's kind of like, he's literally just drifting up and down these streets, kind of looking for a sign of Michael Myers. Yeah, well, he like, yeah, he's staking out the house and then... He he randomly notices the car or something that Michael Myers used to get out. So he's like, "Oh, he's here somewhere." Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to look around, and then yeah, and then as you say, he's just kind of walking around, and then the kids yeah. are out screaming, 
And he's like, there's, oh, a, there's a good bit where he spooks some kids that are trick or treating. Not trick or treating, yeah. but they like go they go to like a creepy house. Yeah. And he like hides behind a bush. It's like, it's like a Myers house. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he's there. He's not just he's not just standing by a random house. I thought, yeah, I thought he was getting into the spirit of the season. <laughs> no. He's just buying the person. He's like, get away, get away from the house. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. And he's got like a smile on his face afterwards, after they run off. He really enjoyed yeah. it. And the cop is like, hello? <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. The cop's like, the cop's like, okay, if what you're telling me is true, I'm going to get all my men on this. And Donald Pleasant's like, no, don't do that. Don't understand the logic. He's like, if you do that, you'll have a cop on every street corner. Yes. <laughs> Why do we have to do this by stealth, Donald? Um, Maybe he wants him to come out. It's bait. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's a bit of a strange character, really. Um, and then again, he's kind of the cops like, if what you're telling me is true, then damn you for letting it happen or something. Like, damn you for letting him get away in the first place. And Donald Pleasant's just like, okay. <laughs> he says, it's like, it's like, I'm trying to like, you know, I, th- I think he says something like, you know, it's not, it's not my fault or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm getting it mistaken with Halloween too. Um, anyway, like you say, these kids come tearing out the house screaming. And so he's like, uh-huh. So in he goes, um, and basically he just shoots him, right? Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, well, there's a, well, there's a couple of bits here. Like, yeah, so they, well, annoyingly, um, Laurie keeps dropping the knife, which is a kind of thing which people complain about always to this day, is that every time she stabs Michael Myers, she drops the knife and runs off, where it's like, just keep the knife with you, for God's sake. Why don't you keep dropping it next to him? Um, there's that. But yeah, they have like a little a little to-do, a little fight upstairs. And she rips his mask off. And then this is when you see his face. Um, and it's like a yeah, young, young man um, uh, who's, I think his eye looks a bit deformed, but I'm not sure if that's some purpose. Of He's got like a scar kind of here across his cheek yeah. and up to his eye. So like his eyes kind of getting pulled down a bit. Yeah, so it's a little bit like... It's mildly quite, deformed. Yeah. But I quite like that, the idea that it's like, yeah, it's like normal, but still not quite normal-ish. And it also, it's like, that is, for me, um, the quintessential, like, great part of what makes it work is that it's just a little reminder just at the end here that he's a person. He's still like a human. He's just some kid. Like, you've seen him as this, like, monster, this big, scary, weird monster, the whole thing. And then really, he's just some, like, skinny little kid who's you know, um, who's just murderous, who just looks like, yeah, he's got that kind of like blank-eyed stare still that you you heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just completely like spaced out. Um, yeah, and I always, I always enjoy that bit. I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, basically, um, she's like, oh, help me. And Donald Pleasance like runs in and he's just basically standing there like, hey. Then he shoots him um, six times and uh, which becomes... Which is what he's Donald Pleasance is always shouting in the next film at the start of the next film. He's like, I've shot him six times. <laughs> um, yeah. And he and he kind of falls off the balcony and he lands on the floor and they're like, oh God, and what is it? Like Laurie says something like, um, was that uh 
so there is such a thing as a boogeyman or something. And he's like, I guess there is or something lame. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, then anyway, they all come up and it's like, Oh, what's happened? And then they look back and he's gone. And there's dead and 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 dead. dead, dead. <laughs> um, and what's great, and this is what I was going to say earlier, is that um, this end sequence, um, and again, like we were talking about a bit on Black Christmas, where it's shots of like places that he's been and like the town and things that we've seen and the horrible stuff that's kind of happened. Um, yeah. As in, it's just these empty spaces that you're like waiting to be filled and that he could be anywhere. Like he's kind of everywhere and nowhere at the same time. Yeah. Um, and that's the beauty of that thing. And apparently they made that decision in the editing room. That wasn't um, pre-planned. They just, they knocked it up. Um, and it's a great, it's a great ending. Um, yeah. Good decision. I thought you'd like that. Loved it. Again, it's, it made me think of Black Christmas. Mm. It's just like yeah. a, like a review of the, of the work that he's done throughout the film, you know. But also yeah. a suggestion that he could still be lurking somewhere, and and they're very um, featureless kind of buildings. So it's also like the implication he could be looking at your house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it. And also, it's a it's a weird little um, nostalgia trip for you of what's just happened in the last ninety minutes. You said like going back through the scenes, but also you're now um, through these brief like two, three second shots, you're going through like the kind of, you know, five, 10 minute scenes that just happened. And it's almost like your life flashing before your eyes from the last 90 minutes <laughs> and all the kind of emotions and dread and terror suddenly like weirdly in like this nothing amount of shots are quickly like coming back to you in a rush. Um, so it's a bit of this, it's a very strange, um, uh, you know, kind of way to end it in a, in a good positive way. Um, I mean, nothing for me beats the Black Christmas ending um, with the phone ringing after all that. I still yeah. fucking love that. Oh, God, it's so horrible and so great at the same time. Um, that essentially the climax <laughs> of that film doesn't even happen on screen. It's just perfect. Um, and that's it. That's that's Halloween in terms of the plot. Uh, we won't go into Halloween 2, but um, yeah, Halloween 2 literally picks up straight away. <laughs> so after we've just seen some shots, oh, it could be anywhere. And then Halloween 2 starts with him like basically like <laughs> trying to get away, <laughs> finding another knife and getting on. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. So you just kind of ran away. Cool, 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 cool. Um, so apparently, Sam, Halloween that came out in 2018 is also a direct sequel to this film. That's right. Yeah. So I've seen that. And that is, that basically gets rid of all the sequels and it's like so the first film happened and now it's this film 30 years later or whatever, which is also called later. halloween also called halloween and um i didn't if you seen, i take it you haven't seen it then no i might watch it because i saw a lot of positive comments about it should i yeah, watch it I, um i if you want like i didn't hate it i didn't hate it but it wasn't good okay um it's, I quite liked, I liked that it kind of had that thing that the, this this film had where he's just kind of like walking around, just doing what the fuck he wants. So like, there's some quite nice shots of him just kind of going in and he was just kind of kill someone and work his way through the house and then come out the other side. 
and all that. And it's those kind of bits where I was like, okay, that's hmm. quite cool. Satisfaction um, of watching a man take some some pride in his industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, like you know, really that kind of bold, brazen, you know, murder, um, which I quite enjoyed. But then, like all the stuff with Laurie Strode and whatever, and they try and build a bit more of a character out. And she's got family, and then you know, and they're all like, um, they all basically gang up on Jason, uh, Jason, Jesus, on Michael Myers, and all that. And we should say, like, the kind of the reveal in the second film, which I think was a bit lame, and kind of, um, kind of goes against what I was talking about earlier. Spoiler alert! Is that, yeah, spoiler is that. Um, they make it that Laurie is actually like the sister that Michael um, had, but never knew about because she was just a baby or whatever um, when it happened, which the gap would make sense. But I quite like the idea that he's made this kind of connection, as I've said, like between her and what happened just because she looks like, always like a young woman, like his sister, rather than there is an actual like family blood connection. But obviously they kind of pursue that more in the additional scenes that they filmed for the TV series, uh, sorry, for the um, TV release um, that is to do with Halloween 2, where they say like, oh yeah, actually she's a sister. I thought that was a bit a bit lame. Yeah, um, I, I was reading, um, you know, a little bit about the synopses of the next few films and I saw that and I thought I thought the same, oh, that's a bit lame. But yeah. I suppose, like we said, there's so kind of little sort of plot or backstory or narrative mm-hmm. that if you are going to try and expand this, which I suppose they weren't necessarily trying to do in Halloween too, but I think yeah, by the time you get to four, they're obviously thinking we need to we're gonna we're gonna run with this as franchise. Yeah. Um. Then I suppose it's just unavoidable to sort of develop a bit more um, backstory for him and give him more motivation. I was quite interested or, well, I suppose curious as well. Um, later on, they develop a bit more of something of like a plot around a, a cult or something. And I thought, oh, that yeah. maybe sounds quite fun. Yeah. Um, but again, it's taking um, yeah, it into different territory um, and away from the purity of this first film. Yeah, I think if I'm right, like Halloween 4, Halloween 3 is the one where it's something to do with like TVs and it's nothing to do with Michael Myers. And I think... Three is a standalone f- one. Yeah, three standalone. Halloween 4, it's like Return of the Witch or whatever it's called. Um, Halloween 4 is, um, I believe, to do with the kids. I think something to do with like Michael Myers. It's Donald Pleasance again and he's looking I- after some children. Is that 4? I think four, he starts stalking Laurie's daughter. Yeah, that's what I mean. But it turns out that, and and again, spoiler, well. that, that Laurie's daughter is actually like a murderer as well. Like that, it's a, There's a scene or something where Michael's left alone with her and they have like a kind of weird connection. And then at the end yeah. of that film, she's like a murderer as well. And Donald Pleasance is like, no, no. That's the one, that's the one that I've seen as well. I've definitely right. seen that. Yeah, so it's that one. And then I think five is to do with the cult um, and that, that Michael Myers is part of some fucking demon cult or something like that. Um, yes, yeah, it all gets a bit weird. Um, but should we head on over to like Nerd Corner? Because I think there's a couple of bits that we should probably okay. uh, we should talk about. Let's, let's go over there and see what, see what we do. <laughs> So I was going to 
kind of talk about the score a little bit, but to be honest, I think it's been done to death and we do love a bit of John Carpenter. Um, And, uh, but for me, I thought, why don't we talk about the 1983 Halloween game? Oh, cool. Um, Yeah, that sounds good. Which was for the Atari 2600 uh, by Wizard Video. Um, And (laughs) it is probably the weirdest, (laughs) it's not the weirdest, the worst game, but it is pretty dire. So basically you play a babysitter who's trying to save as many children as possible. And this is basically this knife-wielding killer. But each time it comes on screen, it has the Halloween theme tune. So it's all like, you know, like, whatever you move it through. It's like, as this like killer comes in, you're like trying to save your little kids. And um, yeah, and basically you're just trying to get these kids away from this killer. And that is it. And it's, and that's the whole game. And it's just taking place in different rooms. It is pretty bad. And I'm kind of reading here, to save money, most versions of the game did not even have a label on the cartridge. It was simply a piece of tape with Halloween written in marker. What the hell? Um, but they, yeah, they say like, the game contained more gore than the, the, than the film, however, um, because when the babysitter is killed, her head disappears and is replaced by blood pulsating from the neck as she runs around. Wow. Um, and that's basically it. That's the game. I mean, so, actually, it sounds great. You can, still, you can see it on YouTube, but um, yeah. like you can watch, you can watch fifteen seconds of it. Yeah, and you will know exactly what happens for the entirety of like the two-hour game or whatever it is. My curiosity will be sated. Yeah, maybe it's very cool to just <laughs> watch a little bit rather than play it. Yeah, never. Um, I don't think you have to play it, so don't worry. Um, Dan, have you got anything else that you want to discuss about Halloween? Well, I was going to say about Nerds Corner that there is a um, a new pressing of the soundtrack. Okay. It's just been released. Funnily enough, the soundtrack didn't come out until 1983. So I suppose it took right. that long to become, I don't know, I kind of think this time, this is like VHS burgeoning yeah. kind of market. So maybe, you know, even though it did so well at the box office, maybe it got a little bit more traction and um, that's that's when things become like a cult kind of hit, isn't it? When things get picked up on video and people are like watching it over and over and over. So... Yeah, and I don't think it... It's not like an impressive score, if you know what I mean, like when you're watching it, but it does stay in your head. So I imagine it had to take some time to get a bit of a cult following. Yeah. Um, you know, to kind of make it like cultural mark on the world for it to be to warrant a release of such. But the original um, uh, release on, I never know how to pronounce this label. They do all the soundtracks, very Saraband. It's cool, you know, it's kind of iconic. It's got the poster image on the, uh, on the jacket. I think it looks great. Um, These days, the one that's just come out, so Death Waltz did a release back in January this year. Um, it's got this like image of Michael Myers, a rainy window pane, quite eerie. Um, that was the 40th anniversary edition. But the one that I think is most interesting is Mondo did one back in 2013. Okay. Um, apparently Mondo. on black, but they randomly inserted orange vinyl into some of them. So if you've got the orange vinyl, there's only one for sale at the moment on Discogs, and they want 800 quid for it. Wow. Um, 
But it's quite a cool cover. I think you'd like it, Sam, because it's a close-up crop of the Michael Myers mask. Although it's a, it's a painting of it. But right. the the lips are the house. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll have a look for it. Yeah, it's quite cool. Um, like the arch of his lips is like the roof and the tree. Oh, uh, yeah. I can see it. That is great. That's really good. Yeah, that's cool, isn't it? Yeah, so um, some it's, some nice and interesting pressings out there. Yeah, it's funny as well because if you look at the um, the cover, like with the the hand of the knife and the pumpkin and stuff, yeah, um, something that was apparently an accident, um, uh, but I thought was pretty cool was in the knuckles. You can see a screaming face. What? Um, yeah, and people are like, "Is that on purpose or not?" Um, yeah. I, I can't see it. In the knuckles, you can yeah, see a screaming yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. You can see a face. You can see like two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Very weird. Um, apparently, that was an accident, but when, when it's one of those things, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Wow. Um, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Um, that's mad. Cool. Well, I, I think that's it for Halloween. I think we've done that to death now. I don't think there's much else yeah. to say about it. I'm glad I've got that out of the way because my favourite film to watch on Halloween is Ernest Scared Stupid. So <laughs> I'll be sitting down and enjoying that. <laughs> I've probably seen that, actually. I've randomly seen some Ernest films. Um, sure, why not? Um, I'm looking at that record as well with the, um, you were saying, it looks like the disc itself, the uh, pin, uh, the hole in the middle to put, mm. put it on, is like in the middle of the eye socket. Um, so it, you know it looks pretty scary against white in itself like you know the pupil of his eye almost um, freakish yeah or maybe yeah maybe there's someone just mocked that up anyway um, thanks everyone for listening to Halloween and have a spooky Halloween yeah and make sure you don't get killed just try yeah. that have, have a good time but within sensible parameters Exactly. Try not to have sex tonight because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Good advice. One day of the year to not have sex. It's this year. One, uh, <laughs> this year, this day, today. This day. On Jesus' birthday. Yeah. Well, Jesus is all about procreation, isn't he? So That's Easter. Easter, you can go at it like rabbits. Feliz Navidad. Easter, you can come again. <laughs> Man. Time to end this, I think. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> See ya. Happy Halloween. Bye. <laughs> hey guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.